Live another day. Mirrors can't talk. Luckily for you, they can't laugh either. A lot of story there, a lot of lore. Uh, for those of you who are into that kind of thing, I love you. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Lore, the podcast that explores where we've been and where we may go next in the world of Warcraft. Welcome, everyone, to Live, Laugh, Lore, episode 15, the podcast that always follows through. Yeah. All right, each episode, we will check in, have some laughs, and talk about the lore of Warcraft one or two topics at a time. My name is Jin. I'm the one who fails at writing jokes, and I'm joined <laughs> by the one who always has a joke ready or, you know, laughs at my bad jokes. Anyways, it's Allie. What's going yeah, that on? sounds about right. Yeah. That, that does sound about right. <laughs> Even my, I mean, that's how you're a fan of my other show, right? It's, they're just bad jokes, so that's that's what it is. <laughs> I'm easily amused, so it, you know, it helps. It helps. It does help. I mean, it's yeah. not a bad thing to be easily amused. I mean, no, not at all. <laughs> it's kind of like me. Uh, whenever someone's like, "Oh, do you like this or that?" Or that I'm like, I like food in general. Like, I'm, I'm just doesn't matter. Like, my my taste buds are like pretty childish. <laughs> Like I'm a, the kind of person that says Taco Bell's amazing. So I mean, if right, if Taco Bell's amazing, anything better, it's like mind blown. So yeah, See, yeah. You know, when you have low expectations in life, things are super delicious, and you're easily amused. I, I think that's a good way to be. Because this is all, very true. You're always. I am, I am the same way. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 hard to be disappointed when you're expecting something Taco Bell level. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, rather than just yakking about Taco Bell, Allie, how have you been? <laughs> what have you been up to? I'm doing all right. We got a ton of snow this weekend. Yeah. Like 18 inches where I live, I think, with drifts of like 25 inches wow. because of how the wind was. Maybe not 25. No, no, actually 25 is pretty accurate. That's a lot. For the drifts, at least. Yeah, we actually uh, did not have work on Monday because it was a snow day. Because that was a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we both managed to hurt our backs um, shoveling snow. Mm. So that was really fun. Like, so my, my husband shoveled a little bit during the storm just to try to stay on top of it. But then within an hour, it was as if he had just done nothing because it was already <laughs> all covered. And then, uh, so finally on Monday, I was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do something shoveling. You've, you've taken care of a lot. And so I went out there, we had actually shoveled to the street so we can actually pull our cars out this morning because the plow came through and just did like one lane down the street, like pushed all the snow up. So we had to like shovel to get to the street and, uh, I was out there shoveling and he came and joined me. And so we both, our, our, our lower backs are a little strained today. From well, that's that. all right. That's all right. Yay for being adults. Woo. <laughs> Where yeah. you get pack problems. Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, snow when I was a kid was awesome. But um, well, all I can say is I'm glad I don't live where it snows now because snow as an adult is irritating. <laughs> like, we have a snowblower, so that helps. But something about the wheels not wanting to stay on it or something. And it's a crappy cheap one. And <laughs> so that was a no go. <laughs> right. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 18 inches too. That feels like that's a, that's a lot still. Just saying. 
<laughs> That's a lot. But it is Colorado, so that means there's there's so many jokes there. But it's <laughs> it's Colorado. So the sun was already out today. The roads are already like dry. But then what's going to happen over the next week or so is like it'll melt a little bit during the day and then freeze at night and then melt a little day and then freeze at night. So, yeah. Yay. That's fun. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. Other than that, I finally got my Death Knight to 60. Yay. Starting with the Necrolord campaign, which is good. I haven't really got got into it yet. I'm at the part where you're like, go talk to Venari and do this and then go back. So I'm at the part where you go back. So now it's really going to start. So right. that's going to be exciting to do. And I took her through Torghast a couple times. There's some really fun death knight abilities for Torghast. Mm. Like yeah. one where you put your death gate down and one of the knights of the Ebon Blade comes and fights with you. And so I thought it was just going to be a generic Evan Blade NPC. No, I had freaking Trollbane <laughs> and White Mane come through the portal to come help me. I'm like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, it was really awesome. And I got super giddy about it. When it was totally unexpected. So that was that was a lot of fun. And that's oh, and then I tanked again. I used to tank a lot in Legion with her. And so I actually took her through the Draenor time walking and hmm. tanked. Kind of shook the dust off of the that a bit, and it was fun. I, I enjoy Blood Death Night taking, and that's about it. You know, the normal, you know, did Torghast on my main so I can upgrade my legendary and normal callings and whatnot. But yeah, I felt like I actually like did things in game this week and accomplished things. So that was pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound yeah. very accomplished. How about how how about you? How how are things? How's the game? Well, Stuff, things are pretty painting. good. I have uh, officially, I, I set a deadline for myself and I accomplished it. As I uh, mentioned last time, I have painted this room. Not a huge change, but I think it's a nice, much. It's a little change. Yeah, you know, smoother, nice. Uh, it, it looks, it looks better to me. I'll put it that way. I like it. I like the change. It um, looks better. I'll, I'll get, it does. It looks better. It's still, it definitely was not a big change, but it's enough that you like, you notice the change Yeah, and it does look better. Yeah, I, I like I like I definitely like the uh, the upgrade. It looks it just looks you know better. However, yeah. I didn't tell this story uh, in the last recording where I talked about I painted. I, I figured I, I should save this for the for for this recording where it's a little funnier. Well, we picked out a different color initially, and I actually had an entire wall painted a completely different color. And me and my wife, we kind of looked at it. We're like, that just that doesn't look. But no, that's disgusting <laughs> we're like there's no way we're gonna be okay with this color if you finished painting this room this, this color and yeah my wife was like what, what are you going to do i was like i'll just go get different paint it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the following day after i had already completely done a wall i was just like no i thought i was gonna like it and this is just no, no, this is this is not at all. So, yeah, it was going to be a very drastic change. I'll put it that way, because it was a very like almost it was a very light gray, but it looked like a weird powder blue when I was staring at it. Just going. like Yeah. And sometimes after it dries, it looks weird. Like I was back in mid middle school, I guess it was. And I went to paint my room. My parents were all for it. And so I picked out a color that I thought was going to be kind of bluish and ended up being like a like lavender almost after it dried. 
And I was not all about that. And I think we we just I was too lazy to ever ask to fix it. And I felt bad. <laughs> so I never changed it to this day. That room is still lavender. And it's now my mom's office. <laughs> so, well, you, you, I can tell a funny story about my childhood. Um, my mom was actually super into painting and would do all sorts of painting. And my room actually had a big rainbow on the wall when I was very, oh. very young. Well, uh, cool. I think when I was about six or seven, I was like, that's kid stuff. Bleh. And uh, I got to move to a different room in the house. So it was like the guest room and we just kind of flippy flapped. And right. yeah. <laughs> you know, I went to the guest room where there wasn't a rainbow on the wall. Well, the rainbow room became my dad's office. (laughs) (laughs) Is the rainbow still there? Like, do they still live in that house? No, no, that's the house. When they moved out, was it still there? I don't know if it was still there. Uh, (laughs) Could be. Honestly, the house was actually big enough that it is now, uh, if you look it up, it's like got an own business address and everything. It's like a senior daycare place. Yeah. The the rainbow still might be there then. It might be. Maybe. Maybe. It'd be nice if the rainbow was still there. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know how it goes. They're, you're just like, I don't want the rainbow room. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I did. Probably what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in terms of Warcraft, though, I'm very excited because we have made it to uh, freaking heroic Denathrius. You know, Daddy D. It. We've made it all the way up there. Jealous. I think we've done literally one poll on him, though, because... Yeah, we weren't expecting to actually get to Denathrius when we did. It was very right. much a, holy crap, we actually killed them. <laughs> um, yeah, but, the, but we didn't save that lockout. We were like, okay, this is actually going to be a really hard fight, so we're just going to reset uh, for next week. So last week, apparently I used up all of my luck in a single week uh, or for the entire expansion, probably. Because I, I didn't get one 213 weapon. I got two 213 weapons. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I, was, I was very giddy. I was very giddy. So, yeah, now I now I don't have as much of an excuse to be crappy, which, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like my, my damage definitely went up, but I'm like, oh, I feel like it should have gone higher than this. Maybe I'm just bad at the game. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that uh, I got two. I'm very excited. <laughs> So I've been complaining about weapons for a long time. Now I have to shut my mouth because. True. Yeah, I'm not allowed to complain anymore because I got two. So, yeah. But yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was funny that we made it to Denathrius right in time for a 9% health nerf. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, my, my rage still can't get past Sledge Fist yet on Heroic. So uh-huh. I was watching Schubert's stream that night that you guys got to Daddy D and, and when you got your weapons. And. Yep. I was like taking mental notes of, you know, generals and whatnot. And well, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. The, the generals is a nutty fight. It really is. Um, and normal is, I will really honestly, normal does not prepare you for heroic because it doesn't look like it. Well, what happens is it's like, here's the mechanics. And you're like, okay, what's happened? What's going on? Even if you screw up the mechanics, you just kill them. You're just like, okay. Well, all right. Neat. <laughs> Because literally every single the first time we killed him on normal, it was like we did this like 15 minute explanation and we one shot it and we're like, oh, that was easy. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Neat. (laughs) So, yeah, that's why it's uh, it's not it's not one of those like, oh, progressive ramps up. Eh, Not at all. All right. Well, 
That's about it. So I have one fun question for you. What the heck are we drinking tonight? Oh, I'm so happy. So with tomorrow being St. Patrick's Day, at the time of this recording, we are drinking some Guinness. Mm-hmm. I am very happy to be drinking Guinness again. I am too. Yeah, it's it's one of those you know, macro brews that I never get tired of, really. It's, it's nice because, you know, I, I have been to Ireland. I went three years ago, so I, I actually get to drink it out of my one 100% official Guinness, you know, pint it's glass. legit, too. It's got Guinness on it and everything. Little, yeah. A little, little jealous there. I could go get my Guinness jacket, too, but it's really, <laughs> it's really cheesy. I don't really wear it anymore. That's I awesome. bought it when I was there when I was in high school, and uh, I don't know. It was actually pretty cheap. It was only like 40 euros or something, so I was like, I totally want this. Yeah. I used to wear it all the time. Now it's like... Yeah, this is dorky. <laughs> <laughs> you should wear it sometime just, just for the hell of it. Yeah, I still have it. I just, I don't know. <laughs> anything with like a brand logo or something, I've always, I don't know. It's just like, hey guys, I'm a billboard. Wee! <laughs> it just seems dorky to me. <laughs> it is a nice jacket though. It's very warm. Now, honestly, I probably there would wear it more often if it wasn't, if it was ever actually cold here. <laughs> right. Well, if you want to come here where all the snow is. Yeah. See, I might wear it there because I'll be like, oh, my other jacket's all covered in crap and it's really wet. So I got to wear this dorky Guinness one. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't even judge you. But yeah, Guinness Guinness is good. I The first time I had it year, earlier in my drinking ages, I did not like it. And I'm mm-hmm. ashamed to say that. It just... it. I was pretty new to beer at that point, and my taste buds hadn't really developed yet for beer, I guess. And it just, I didn't like it. <laughs> like, it took me getting older and a little more mature with my taste buds when it comes to beer. I think I liked and, it right uh, away. I'm weird. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> See, like, the first time I tried beer, I didn't like it. And then a couple years later, I tried, what was my gateway? Budweiser Select. That's where I started, and that's where I was like, hmm, beer is good. So thankfully, thankfully, I, I have, I, like I said, I have, I, my taste buds have matured <laughs> since then. That's I okay. like m- much more different beers, much more variety, and I like pretty much all of them. So finally, after you know, after a little bit of time, I, I grew to love Guinness, and it's good. I actually haven't had it in a while, so I'm, I'm glad you suggested this. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about it and I realized that it wasn't the first time I had it, but the first time I really enjoyed it was when I was there when I was 18 uh, in Ireland. Uh, See, I wasn't supposed to have it, but I was in in Europe and it was fine because they carded me and they're like, come right in. I was like, yes, I will come right in. Yeah, 18, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I will. (laughs) So, yeah, that was the first time I had it was when I was there and I was 18. Don't worry, I didn't get in trouble. I wasn't being stupid. I only had like one or two pints. Oh, fun story, though. (laughs) <laughs> so for all of my, um, you know, Irish listeners out there, if you might be, or if you just know better, um, here, I'll tell you my Guinness faux pas that I pulled. And this, <laughs> you could probably guess what it is, but basically the very first time I ordered a Guinness. Um, you drank it from the can, didn't you? Oh, God, no, 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 it's okay. on tap. <laughs> no, it's not that crazy. No, okay, it's, good. it's one of those things where you might not notice or you might not know this if you've never had it before, like a dumb 18 year old kid. No, what happened was, is I ordered it and there's this little place on next to the bar where they'll, they'll take the, the Guinness glass and they'll just set it down for a minute. 
And I just said it because, as most people know, Guinness has to settle for a bit, right? It does a little like... So they basically, they pour the Guinness and they, they set it to the side. Well, me not knowing any better, I just went and literally walked over to the bar and grabbed it. <laughs> just just picked it up Whoops. off the bar thinking that they were done. But no, no, they weren't done. That was... They actually do one more final pour to finish it off. They just do it most of the way and then they let it settle and then they pour a little more. And then that's usually when they'll do the fun little like they'll do like a four leaf clover in the in the in the the top of the the little bit. That's awesome. Uh, Or they'll do like a little Celtic squirrel or something. Uh, So, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. But I ruined it the first time because I just was like, yoink. (laughs) So. Uh, yeah, don't do that. That's so sad. Yeah, don't do that. I didn't even know they got all fancy with that and everything. All I knew was that it was a sin to break drinking from the can. You had to, you know, pour it out. Well, yeah, but no. So I've never had it on. I've never had it on tap. So it's much better on tap, actually. I would imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. it's far better on tap. But anyway, yeah, there you go. That's that's my fun faux pas story. No one like looked at me because they didn't notice. They they would have actually the second time I actually went to go do it again, but someone was like, no. <laughs> 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 no. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll wait. But, you know, when you're dumb, you're dumb. So that's that's what happened when I was 18. I didn't know any better because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, jump into the main topic, unless you have any uh, Guinness faux pas stories. <laughs> I don't. I don't. All right. We should just jump right All in. All right, here we go. What you talking about? Well, it is roughly, it's been about a month. Been about a month since we had BlizzCon online. Well, the one thing that we didn't cover in our massive overview was all the interviews that other fans and content creators had with the, the, the narrative team, right? Like, you know, Steve DeNuzer and all them. All those uh, fun folks. So today we're going to be digging through as many of the interviews as I could find and see what additional story information we got from them. Okay, so there's there's some there that we didn't get from the Q&A or any of the other deep dives. So let's 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 find out. So anyway, the first the first interview we're going to be focusing in uh is with the the Lost Codex. So Jesse from the Lost, Lost Codex. Codex. They Love had it. a interview with Steve Denuser and someone else. Morgan Day, I believe. Yeah, I believe it was Morgan Day was the uh, other other person. But that was mostly Torghast questions, and I didn't grab those Torghast questions. <laughs> Sorry, Morgan. I was interested in Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I do have a fun fact here is that Jesse, he's a pretty awesome guy, so watch his stuff. Go to, go to you know, Lost Codex. Great stuff. And um, in 8.3, we actually managed to get Jesse his AOTC with the Catalina wine mixer. So, yeah. Like a fancy yeah, she Look would, at she you. Was friends with him. That's that's all it is. It's a yeah. yes. It was a good time though. Yeah, it's fun. All right. So very first question. I don't actually know if it was the first question in the interview, but this is the first question that I wrote down. <laughs> when the arbiter was, you know, working correctly, you know, not powered off, not in standby mode. <laughs> did anyone actually go directly to the mall? Now. The my favorite thing here is that they did not beat around the bush, and Steve was just said, "Yeah, it did happen." Uh, and they actually pointed out they, they they said, "Go look at the go go look at the uh, the little cutscene where you know the red beam went meow, and and smacked the arbiter." And Pretty sure it made that noise. Too. It did. You didn't hear? It? I heard it. <laughs>
But then they pointed out, okay, then the arbiter got shut down and everything just went and just went straight out the uh, at the bottom end. So, yeah. Anyway, I actually really like this question, uh, even though that was very straightforward and simple, because there was a while there where I was even kind of me personally thinking that the arbiter never sent them to to the Maw first. It was always Revendreth first, but no, it was nice to know that uh, they they confirmed it. So, were you on board with that idea? Did you were you actually thinking that maybe the arbiter never sent um, anyone to the mall? I assumed that the arbiter would at least send some. You know, the ones that were just beyond redemption, who couldn't. There was just no way to you know, atone for. I can't think of the word atone. <laughs> no way to atone for their sins. And you know, I would I would imagine it wouldn't happen often. But say a gold Anne, for example. Yeah. Straight to the mall. Yeah, straight to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I imagine that there were some that would go straight to the mall, but those would be. And that's, and that's just Azroth. I'm sure there's other cases on other planets of people who are as bad as Gul'dan, if not worse, who probably went straight to the mall, but maybe just not as hmm. frequent. Yeah. And then as so. Revenant. So I mean, before we, we dive in, this is, you know, this got me um, thinking about this. There's no question about this, so I, I can bring it up right now. <laughs> so now that we know that the Dreadlords are very likely somehow, tam- you know, related to Cyrodenathrius, it was pretty much confirmed in one of these interviews. I didn't grab that question, but it was confirmed in one of the interviews that Cyrodenathrius essentially is a Dreadlord. He is like the first one. Um, do you think that, you know, if a, if a, if a Dreadlord still not in like, you know, non- non-fell infused one do you think that the arbiter would have been like uh you should go to the maw you're a piece of crap <laughs> maybe that's why maybe 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 that's why the you know the jailer is dragging uh Corthia into it to, to go get those dreadlord buddies that we got sent straight to the maw or something i don't know <laughs> i just that could be i i can i can see that because we know there's dreadlords on Corthia. yep and it would. It does kind of make you think that maybe some of those dreadlords did go straight to the maw. Yeah, that yeah, is. It's weird. Which um, to me, like that's intriguing to think about because you know usually you think dreadlords, you mainly think fell mm-hmm. and things like that, and you would think maybe they would go to the twisting nether when they die because demons and fell and that kind of thing. Like for this for the longest time, at least for my own brain, like that's how I made those connections, you know? So yeah, the thought that, you know, not all dreadlords are necessarily found views or whatever. Right. So. Like, like, I could, like, yeah, Melganis, he went to the twisting together. I can pretty much guarantee it just because he kept popping back up and he's like, I'm a demon. <laughs> right. So, exactly. um, yeah, I just like those that are not somehow, I guess, embedded into another force, right? Like Lothraxian would probably, if he died currently would somehow go to Lightland. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean, that's that's what we can at least assume at the moment. We don't know that for sure, Fair but enough. we can at least okay. assume that he would go to wherever. What is it, Crusader Brighton Brad uh, went? You know, when the uh, the Naru said, mm, "Nah, you're good. We're, we're we're taking you this way." Yeah. Dirty spy Lothraxia. <laughs> <laughs> you just you say that because you're a priest. See, I got to deal with Odin and you know drinking that Kool Aid, so. <laughs> Well, no, but like, I, I mean, back in Legion, I actually really liked Lothraxian. I thought he was cool. 
And then, you know, I read the the enemy infiltration right. book. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So Lothraxon is not cool. All right. <laughs> cool. Cool. I know this now. <laughs> I, I, there's cool. a part of me that actually like wonders how, how messed up would it be if that was like some kind of crazy propaganda that Blizzard planted and that wasn't real. Like, the no. Dreadlords that really are mostly just foul. Sergeant Athria, sure, he created them, but this this whole thing was just one big crazy gambit. See, it could be something that confused me about that. I, we'll get back to all this in a second. But like, <laughs> during the voice actor panel, they did the whole talk about how, you know, like, Bonsomdi originally wasn't going to be that big of a character. Amazing voice actor. Everyone loved him. Everyone's like, more Bonsomdi. He's sticking around. And then during the voice actor panel, they explained same thing with Denathrius. You know, originally they weren't going to, you know, be doing a whole lot with him. But then the voice actor was so phenomenal that they're deciding to, you know, keep him around. Which in turn made me scratch my head and be like, so is Denathrius not that big of a character then? If he wasn't going to be sticking around? And then we, we question everything else ever. So, yeah. Maybe it was just, you know, thrown in there to make us question things and get twisted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That is a, that is, that is weird. one thing to really think about. I mean, obviously you could still say like, oh, the Dreadlords are a big deal, but we just took out their leader, Sergeant Athreus. So, but I think it, it I, it'll probably be more interesting if the Dreadlords are trying to go after and, you know, get their boss out of his fun sword. It does. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It just seems, it seems more fun that way. I agree. All right. Well, yeah. would you like to talk about some, some things that are a little uh, close to your heart in a, yes, in please. a negative sense? <laughs> All right. Yes, please. So <laughs> there was a question about the Drust and their origins. So they basically said, um, does the Drust... Uh, threat the, the dress threat in Ardenweald does it predate the dress that we faced in BFA and if so how old is the dress in Ardenweald okay now Steve was kind of going around and around for a little bit talking about how oh the dress is this and that but I can pretty much say with what we pretty much understood is that the dress that we learned about with their origins of the the Vrykul origins you know they were originally kind of like the thorn speakers and then they kind of split apart that's the same dress. So there isn't like some predate, even further ancient dress that Ardenweald has been dealing with for an even longer time. No, it's the same ones. So even though the dress has been there for a very long time, they're not even older than that. So. Right. So and, and the whole dress thing. See, I haven't. My hunter is still like very low, low eye level. I haven't really done anything with him yet, but I have like started the process and and I and I can definitely see why there's some animosity with the dress there. So um Oh, wait till you finish it. Eh. <laughs> I think you already know the ending, but just <laughs> I I could do it. I, I vaguely know <laughs> what happens, but at the same time I don't have the all the context that comes around it. So, yeah. Anyway, so Steve, he basically he pretty much kind of sidestepped the question for the most part, but he pretty much said that those that followed Gorak Tool were the same ones that were attacking Ardenweald. So, anyway. And I, I like this one, too, because they were actually... I don't know. I think Jesse was very interested in just, like, the dressed origins and things like that, which... Because it seemed like... Um, 
like all this. And and we did we get a little bit more into the into it with the next question because it's, it's a little bit more. Um, but one of the things that he was talking about is that the thorn speakers and like the the drust, you can actually kind of think of them as basically they're still druids. They're they're just not druids that are focused on the life side of thing. They're druids dealing with, um, you know, the the death, you know, the the other side of the cycle, which is it's a very interesting concept to me. I, I actually thought it was pretty cool. It made sense to me because I think there's even a D and D like subclass that kind of does that too. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, so it's I I think they're fun, but you know you hate them for <laughs> various reasons. I don't hate all dr- like the the thorn speakers in BFA and dress for and stuff. Like I'm fine with them. Like there there are some dress that are not bad, but then there's the splinter group that you know went off and decide to take their own path to circumnavigate the cycle of death and life and try to be reborn and whatever everything they're trying to do Arnwield and those are the ones I want to burn to the ground <laughs> with just the hottest fieriest magma ever just burn them all magma. to the ground um <laughs> magma uh, <laughs> but no like seriously I, there there are some things I definitely want to know about the dress before I burn them all down well most of them down like the, the we have the, all these different Gorax, right? We have Gorak Toll, we have Gorak Bob, Gorak, Gorak. Uh, Bleep Face, Gorak Jim. That I want to murder. Correct him. Hardcore. Sure. <laughs> yep. So, like all these, like is it like the the Margraves in Maldraxxus, 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 for example, where it's that's all the different like leaders are like Gorak this and Gorak that and. Do they work together? Are they different, like, sex? Like, do they... What? What? Like, I want to know more about them. Hmm. Yeah. For sure. Because it was it was interesting to see, you know, everything we saw from Gorak Tull and BFA. And then Gorak, I want to stab in the face in Ardenweald. And to see all that. <laughs> so I want, I want to know what their systems are and all of that. And this this was this was interesting to hear this answer a bit, for sure. And my other answer question is, do you know, can I can I go there and burn them down? You know, it's it's fine. I think I actually think the answer to that is yes. I do think we're going there. Yeah. At some point. I don't know if you're going to get to burn them all down. Like all of them. Just the bad ones. The the, the, the thorn speakers and like they they can be in peace (laughs) and I will I will support them wholeheartedly. But the ones who splintered it off to do all these horrible things, I'm burning them all to the ground. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So, all right. I thought that was a fun question. So we got a lot more questions to get into. And I think the next one kind of comes from uh, they're, they're going at a, an angle of necromancy. And I, I like this one, too, because this one was very much a, I don't know. We're just, we're just telling stories. Because <laughs> anyway, the question is basically Thoris Trollbane. And especially Derek Proudmore were dead for a very long time. <laughs> Real long time. But then they were suddenly brought back to life. And, you know, Thoris Trollbane is a death knight. And Derek Proudmore, he's just a forsaken kind of dude. Well, <laughs> do they actually remember their time in the Shadowlands? That was that was the question. So they were obviously there. Like Derek was probably, you know, hanging out. I don't know. In whatever the nautical version of Bastion is. But they're just like, wee. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just making it up. 
<laughs> on boat. Yeah. Every day, Derek Bradmore, he's on a boat. He's just... I'm on a boat. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing flippy floppies while you're at Kinko's flipping copies. <laughs> yeah, that's what Derek was up to. But anyway, the question is... Uh, seriously, that's what he was doing. I said this mental image of Derek Prime wearing flip-flops now and just hanging out. Yeah, I you know, mean, that, umbrella, that drinking seems his like hand. an amazing afterlife to me for, <laughs> some, you know, a cool tearing. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm picturing the beginning of that, that music video where Derek's like, who am I going to take with me to my amazing afterlife? T-Pain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, this, this, okay, this is good. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so, I don't know. So Steve kind of started talking about something that didn't really have anything to do with what we, he, the question was. He just started talking, and he was like, well, so a soul is tied to a body from anima. And, we're like, and I was kind of watching it going, what is it? Steve, can you just answer the question? Hey, just answer the question. <laughs> but anyway. He was like, no, when it comes to like necromancy and then like, you know, regular, you know, souls being attached to bodies, it's all the, the power of the enemy that's holding it there. But when a, you know, a corpse is up and walking around, they're using, you know, necromancy and the power of death to bind a soul into the body. And I'm like, okay, that's cool and all, but what's with the, the memories or something like that? And I think their favorite quote with anything, anything to do with this is, well, remember, time is not a construct of death. And we're like, okay. Really? All right. I'm just saying, a long time's passed, and they just, you know, like, Thor's Trollbane, you know, wasn't like, you know, beating someone up in Maldraxxus or something like that, and suddenly he got teleported away, and all his people were like, ready to go? <laughs> anyway, I just, you know, that was, that was actually, Jesse actually brought that up. He's like, he's totally picturing this, like, he's, you know, leading troops in, in Maldraxxus, and, <laughs> you know, just, boop. <laughs> And everyone's like, they're looking around like, what? What happened? <laughs> I don't know. What, what, I mean, he, yeah, Steve really didn't answer whether or not that this is a, uh, if they have memories of the Shadowlands. So, I mean, oh, what do you think? Do you think they would? Maybe, but really what this is starting to feel like is a cop out. <laughs> I feel like there's just so many little minor details and all these little things that we as a lore community love to pick apart and ask these questions and we want all the answers. But in reality, it's a universe they've created for a game. They're not going to have answers for every itty bitty little thing. You know, when person A died at this time, but they're also trying to shove everything into their puzzle that is Shadowlands. Not all the pieces are going to fit just right to make a really good story. And so they're just getting the blanket suit answer of time is not a construct of death. <laughs> kind of like how it feels like they wrote themselves into a corner with Warlords of Draenor. And they're like, it's a rope. They all come together as a rope. There's not multiple Gul'dans. No. <laughs> so it feels I, I, I love them and I love this story, but it's starting to feel a little bit like that. This is just their way to try to circumnavigate the <laughs> lore community and not have to have every itty bitty little detail answer that we would want to know when it comes to the Shadowlands. It, yeah, it feels like they're uh, Madagascar penguins going doing the you didn't see anything. 
Yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And with the whole, like, did they, do you have a memory of it? I like to think that they do, because I think that a forsaken Death Knight, when he shows up in, like, Maldraxxus or Bastion or anything like that, and the other players are like, oh, my God, what is this? They, it's like that meme where they're just like, I'm like, mm. first time. Uh, uh. Okay. <laughs> I've been here, like, three times already. What are you talking about? <laughs> Like this wasn't even the laughter life I was sent to initially. I was in some weird, you know, thing where there was corgis <laughs> running around. It was awesome. Can we go back to Corgiville again? What, like, what happened with what, that? I want to go there. It'd be amazing. Yeah, it was just running through a field of corgis. It was. It was great. <laughs> I need this in my life. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next question that they jumped into is: What happens when a fresh soul arrives in Maldraxxus? How does that work? Right, because we just got tossed in the arena. They were just like, bam, get in there. And this was actually like one of my favorite questions because the answer was, yeah, that. That's what happens. You show up and they're like, get in there, punk. <laughs> um, but they did kind of go into how Maldraxxus worked in the normal time, say, when the Primus was there. Okay. Let's just say you, your soul would show up in the theater of pain. And the Primus may be on looking and all the other Margraves were there too. And imagine, if you will, it's like an episode of The Voice, right? So <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, they're in there, they're fighting, you know, maybe someone is being all assassiny and, you know, pow, 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 you know, and the House of Eyes is going like, yeah, yeah, I like the way that looks. And uh, But then again, I mean, you know, Draca shows up and she's just wailing on somebody. But then the House of Eyes is like, oh, I see potential there, but it doesn't really always add up. So... That's why sometimes the Primus would actually chime in. Like I said, during the normal times, it was like, no, no, you actually appear to be going, you're going to go to the house of rituals, not the house of the chosen. Okay. And then the house of the chosen, you know, probably like, you know, Crexus was like, really? Vetoing me again. Dang, that's what I wanted. And, you know, <laughs> Margrave Sundane over there was probably going like, rituals? I mean, sure. There's a beefcake. Come on, send him, send him to Chosen. <laughs> you know, Primus knows best, as they as they say. So, <laughs> I just love the idea that this is some crazy competition. Like, you know, you've been in the theater pain. It's just crazy melee, you know, crazy crap going on. But what was happening is the the different Margraves were were you know keeping an eye out, seeing how things were, were going, and they're like, I like the look of this one. I like the look of this one. You come up with me, your team, your team, uh, House of Rituals, your team Plagues, and all that. And the Primus would step in whenever he was like, oh, no, I like this one. I, li I like the look of this one. So you're you're going to go over there with the House of Eyes. And Draka was going, what? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that was how Maldraxxus worked. And I, I just enjoyed the imagery of that. So what do you think about that? So, I think it, it, it makes sense. I've. I always kind of assumed that it work, worked in a fairly similar way because it makes sense that they would all want to see these people in action, see, you know, their style of fighting or whatever, to see where they would actually be good fit. And, you know, trial by fire is a great way to really show what they're made of and what they're capable of. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Uh, so this one, this one, I like this next question. This, this is a good one. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it because it had nothing to do nope. with lore. I just want this. <laughs> <laughs> they asked, 
Individual shoulder transmog. Y'all mentioned that at like a BlizzCon 2019. Where is it at? <laughs> and they did basically say it's still on the table. It's very challenging. Um, but we would like it too because we actually do play the game. So, <laughs> so anyway, individual shoulder transmog. Do you want that? I've never been huge on sh the shoulders in this game. I mean, there's there's some good ones. There's some good ones. On my death night, I tend to wear shoulders because it makes sense. She's a tank. Right. She, she needs it. But otherwise, I don't always wear them. Yeah, but what if you could just turn one on and then the other one off? That's a possibility. Because sometimes they're just so big, but they look cool, too. Right. And so it might be nice to have one and have not be so flashy. Or, you know, for example, right now, my Morgan has this, like, side braid over here that clips through everything. <laughs> And so it'd be nice to have like a shoulder on the opposite side. So it's not like clipping through that. So I can, you know, I can see the possibility. But for all these people whining about a silly shoulder transmog, we don't still, we still don't have our dance studio. And it was on the blinkman, the blinkman box. I'm trying not to swear. It was on the box for Wrath. And we still don't have that. So you keep whining about your shoulder transmog. I, honestly, I'm, I'm team shoulder transmog because I don't even remember the last time I typed slash dance like <laughs> I dance all the time. <laughs> I mean, I think the last time I danced, oh, actually, I know the last time I danced was when I was doing the boogie down stuff because it forces me to dance. <laughs> That's I actually really love Every time we get to that part of the fight, I get really excited. <laughs> I, I like that part of the fight, too, just because it's super easy. <laughs> it's easy and it's fun. And whether you're yourself or you have a toy on you, yep. that, as long as it has a dance animation, you're dancing. Mm -hmm. So when I do my Murloc wand... I'm dancing <laughs> like a Merlot. Honestly, I think my great. I think my favorite part of that, that dance is just watching the dredgers dance because they're just, just they're like, <laughs> they are is pretty cool. They, they really get into it. They're super into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Individual shoulder transmog. I say yes. Uh, sure, dance studio. Yeah. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I mean, actually, I, I will say I would probably dance a whole lot more often if I could give my male dwarf the male blood elf dance because I love the movie Demolion Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> I would never change it away from that. I would dance all the time if I was a male blood elf. <laughs> now I saw the mental image of you doing that. I, your dwarf, of you doing the dance. Oh, well, I can kind of do that. <laughs> like, I, I miss, I, I do some. I know a couple of the steps because I like that movie a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you do. It's a really good movie. <laughs> Seriously. I know that's one of those like polarizing movies where it's like you either love it or hate it. But God, do I love that movie. It is so funny. <laughs> I watched it and I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. It was one of those things like I enjoyed watching it. There's some parts I really liked. Allie's a unicorn. She's the only person I've ever met that was like, eh, it's all right. Because <laughs> most people true. are vehemently like, oh, that was the worst movie ever. It was so stupid. Or it's it's best. Like there's <laughs> very rarely is there middle of the road with Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that, now I know it does exist. All right. I didn't even realize it existed before. <laughs> All right, here it is. All right. Here's a fun one. Here's a fun, fun question here. Can you give us a teaser about the upcoming Grimora of the Shadowlands book? You know, that book that Live, Laugh, Floor is going to do about a bajillion episodes on. Oh my gosh, that's going to so be so good. So many episodes. <laughs> I just feel it. It's going to be great. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they point out that it is uh, very much like the uh, Exploring the Eastern Kingdoms. It is written from a particular point of view. 
So, you know, Eastern Kingdoms is written from uh, primarily Shah with a little bit of Flynn, except that one on chapter where it was totally Flynn with a little bit of Shah. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> well, this one is going to be from the point of view of a broker, right? And the broker is cataloging things for their cartel, saying, okay, this is what's interesting about this one. Yeah, over here, this is a good one. And he's giving his particular perspective and points of view on these other realms. All right. And hopefully they're going to be talking about not just the four. I'm really hoping for more. But anyway. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that's what I'm really hoping for. Anyway, one of the things that it does point out is that um, the souls from Azeroth really seem to have an important impact on the realms because they're just like they keep popping up. Like apparently Azeroth seems to be an interesting common denominator for these impactful souls. Whenever I like interview them, they're like, oh, where are you from originally? They're like Azeroth. You're like. What's with all these Azeroth? That's very weird. So that's one of the things that they bring up. Now, <laughs> there's also a chapter at the end where our uh, narrator delves into the nature of the universe and the first ones. No, I'm really, okay, I'm just saying. That's, I'm so excited about that's that. That's the chapter where I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm going to flip right to the end. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. <laughs> as soon as I get my hands on it. All right. And he also talks about the broker's efforts to uncover some of the secrets. And here I got it in, in big bolds. And he gives a unique perspective on the cosmolo cosmology, cosmology, and gives perhaps another way of thinking about the relationship between these forces. All right. So let's, let's pause my little in interlude here because, you know, I want to talk about this. So obviously... Now we've since you know 2019 BlizzCon, we now know that the the, the cosmology chart is from a very Titan orderly d -d 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 makes sense you know right perspective. What 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 other crazy perspective do we think that we're going to see from this? I'm 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 interested. How would how do you think some someone else, especially someone from a completely different you know realm, see the different forces? That is a great question. I wonder, because right now in our cosmology chart that we know, reality is the center. Just bam, right there in the center. I'm wondering if they see something else as being the center mm -hmm. and how that would impact everything else. Yeah, I, I like I like the way it's kind of laid out with, you know, reality is the center and it just kind of, it just kind of grows out and out and out from there. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see, honestly, my best guess just you know coming at it from a very mortal brain just making up fantasy stories i have a strong feeling it's going to be some kind of like venn diagram where things are overlapping you know where maybe these yeah. forces are interacting with these forces and, and it's it's showing where things are bleeding into other areas and it's not as orderly as you might think it is right so it's probably going to look Similar, because obviously it's a two-dimensional piece of paper and you have to fit it on there somehow, right? So it's not some 3D model that you get to, you know, like freaking, I don't know, like, like I'm picturing like Star Wars, the, you know, The Force Awakens, where it's the, like the star map that pops up. So that'd be cool. <laughs> like, I'd like that, but. That one page of the book will be a pop-up and it'll be 3D. Well, they did make the pop-up book. They should do that with the cosmology. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Maybe. Let's do the, do the cosmology <laughs> pop-up book. That'd be awesome. So I wonder, too, because I, I do feel like we are an expansion or two away from a cosmology war. Probably, probably two expansions, like just some kind of bigger cosmology war. And so I wonder if this is going to change how we feel about it. And I wonder if 
you know, right now in our cosmology chart, the circles, you know, on opposite sides, whatever, are, are fairly evenly sized, oh. you know, with the main cosmology forces. And so I kind of wonder if, given their information, they actually know which ones might be more powerful than the others. And so maybe they aren't so evenly sized in this version. Yeah, yeah I can see that too, for sure. That makes sense. Where you might see the powers of life dwindling or the powers of, you know, chaos dwindling, you know, with the fell and things like that. Because of, especially after the events of Legion, maybe you can see that one has is, is shrunk a bit, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that too. So, it's going to be a, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, anyway, so Morgan Day decided to pipe pipe up. He's like, well, blah, blah, I got something else to talk about because brokers are awesome. So he decided to talk about a particular thing. Uh, one of these. Mega <laughs> I'm not even going okay. to try and say it. Because every single time <laughs> I try and say it, it's just going to do this. Mega <laughs> The effects really make it there. It's so good. So anyways, so good. this particular location that we'll be traveling to where there are 10 bosses or something like that. I don't know, eight bosses, whatever. Um... Yeah, the Tajaves, whatever it's called. Um, they He pointed out that we're going to be learning a lot more about broker and broker culture, uh, which I, right. I'm looking forward to. So I think the reason why he even brought it up is basically saying that, hey, brokers are cool. They got this very interesting and unique perspective on the universe, the life and everything. Um, and you might learn why they have that perspective on things from this, you know, this, this place. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, and apparently one of the encounters takes place in a post office, which I just thought was cool. Yeah, because there's portals, lots of portals, because that's how the mail gets there so fast. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You, it's like now you're thinking with portals. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. I knew you were my friend for a reason. Portal references. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, I I really like that the Megadons have room to make it a little more silly and lighthearted. You know, there's a freaking heist and we're chasing someone down. We're taking we're fighting in a post office like it. I really look forward to this and not only because I do think we're going to learn things from a lower perspective. I also just, I, I like that they have that kind of wiggle room to really have fun with it. And it really shows, you know, in Mechagon, you had the, what was that even called? The metal dog, like ARF or something like that. <laughs> and behind the box. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like they just, they have that room to be a little more silly and have fun with it. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, actually. Like, I'm not, I don't run dungeons over and over and over because I don't, I don't do Mythic Plus much. And by much, I mean hardly ever at all. But I am looking forward to this particular um, location. Yep. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I'm not going to push it. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to get right. Okay. It's like those drinking games where you're not allowed to say drink. You always have to say things like consume. Yeah. I'm not saying it. So I'm just going to avoid the word. <laughs> for now. That's true for now. <laughs> all, right. all right so the next question um it's a very interesting one i like this one so how do places like akandun and ashagun impact the shadowlands right so akandun as we all know it's that's the, a good question all the freaking you know 
Draenei souls and things like that going up there, and you're like, wait, Shadowlands? Why, why are you hanging out? Uh, and Ashagoon, all the orc souls going over there, you know, just just chilling, you know, talking to talking to Drek'thar and, and Mother Mother Gay or whatever her freaking name was before she died. Yeah, you know, what's what's up with that? So, anyways, they actually they had a real answer for this one. Um, <laughs> they basically said that um, the whole process of you know souls being ferried to the Shadowlands and everything like that. Sometimes things get in the way. Sometimes things intervene. Um, a place like Bastion is required because it's not always a straight shot where it's like guaranteed always you go, right? Sometimes you do need the Kyrian to step in and go, no, seriously, this way, come on, this way. So when you have the, you know, a power of a, you know, a dead Naru right there, it makes sense that, the, the, you know, you know, the Kyrian might show up and they'll just be like, no, man, I'm going this way. No, just... <laughs> Don't you feel that? And they're like, yeah, I do. All right. You, I'll be back later. I swear. <laughs> so they actually kind of, they talk about how it is incredibly, you know, you know, uh, they actually brought up the, the whole crusader bright and bad is that sometimes things intercede. They, they, they get in the way because obviously, you know, spirits pop up. We got ghosts over here and things like that. Yeah. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect system. So, yeah, they, and I actually think they they actually they, they did a decent job of talking about this one. So anyway, let's see. Yeah, and they actually they they did say that it's temporary too. They said they they didn't actually say that they're always stuck there because the Shadowlands is all about eternity, whereas you know Azeroth eh, seems a little bit more temporary, perhaps. So that was right. the thing where. Just because they're hanging out there in Ashagoon or Akandun forever doesn't mean they're they're always going to be hanging out there. So, yeah. Do you, you have any thoughts about this one? No, but I thought it was a really good question because I never even stopped to consider places like that. So I just thought it was interesting to hear this explanation. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I thought it was very interesting, too. I mean, I don't have any other thoughts on it other than like, hey, thanks for actually answering the question. I appreciate that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and thanks for not saying that, uh, you know. Time is not a construct of death. <laughs> I need a sounder for that. Time is not a construct of death. Time is not a construct of death. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So next one. Next question. How easy is it for Shadowlands residents to travel for two different realms? For example, Draka going to wherever she went in the afterlife short. They pointed out that that is incredibly hard. It is it is not something that is easy to do. During this anima drought, they're probably not doing it one bit. It's not happening at all. Um, the example they gave is it's the reason why the Legion needed these crazy amounts of power like the Well of Eternity to travel from, you know, wherever the heck they were in the Great Dark Beyond and or the Twisting Nether to get to Azeroth. It was not just a stroll in the park. It wasn't, you know, easy to do. Um... And then they also pointed out that uh, Steve said that in a cosmic sense, things like that don't really happen all that often. And just the other interesting thing is that he said that in a cosmic sense, we just happen to be living in a very, you know, intense time frame. You know, like there are little moments of of craziness, you know, just read, seriously, just read, uh, you know, Chronicle Volume 1. There's lots of crazy (laughs) stuff. 
whole lot of nothing. Lots of crazy stuff, whole lot of nothing. <laughs> it's like the beginning of the universe, all that kind of stuff. War of the Ancients, and then... <laughs> whole period of not a much. So we just happen to be experiencing one of those. Lots of stuff happening, because obviously it's a video game. You need things to do. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Did you? I, I thought this was just a, an interesting um, question. So what, what did you think about this one? It is interesting. I, I mean, it makes sense. You know, we, we had the whole Legion needing the Well of Eternity to come here or to come, here, to, come to Azeroth. Um, but the way sometimes they talk about with Maldraxxus, you know, in with Drocket in the Afterlife Shore, for example, it made it seem like it was easy for certain people or realms or groups to travel, you know, on a cause cross a cosmology to the different realms. <laughs> so I guess I underestimated it and it's not actually that easy. So that I thought that was really interesting. Well, going back to an earlier question, maybe that's uh, something that the brokers will also point out that maybe there are weak points where it is easier to go from this location to the other location, especially with like the dreadlords. They seem to just be like, Oh, okay. Let's go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Like, I thought it was easy for a certain groups. So, uh, it could be. I mean, we. You know, for example, we have ley lines. You know, we have those. You know, points where it is. You know, things are more powerful. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that you would have the opposite, and you'd have those those weak points. You know, those little tears that are opening up or whatever, and. No, I, I'm actually thinking now yeah. Dreadlords are probably a bad example because Sire Athrus is the one who caused the anima drought and he could do whatever the heck he wanted because he had all the anima to do whatever he wanted. So maybe a bad example. True, but for how long? Yes. Time is not a construct. Of but, <laughs> you know, like before the Arbiter broke, Dreadlords were still traveling and doing dreadlordy things so i don't know nah, i don't know either yeah yeah it's fun though all right <laughs> yes it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i know i just thought it was interesting that it's like yeah it was difficult so when draka went to wherever the heck she went that uh, that was uh she was clearly on a very important mission because it took a lot of resources to get her there Apparently. So, yeah. Which does make sense. I mean, why would the heck would they make two cutscenes with the exact same uh, location if they weren't like, pay attention? Because <laughs> I didn't, I'll admit, I didn't catch it. But then, but the community was, you know, some within the community were very quick to go, hold on a minute. This looks very important. <laughs> and then they started comparing and contrasting. Right? And at first I was like, I don't see it. And then I watched it again. I was like, no, they're totally right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, probably very important. Yeah, lots of lots of whatever the heck she be doing, very important. All right, I actually really like this this last question that we're going to talk about from the from the Lost Codex interview, which is, what's up with the gem that the jailer put in the the Chalamet to make kings mourn? Yeah. Right. What's up with that? <laughs> I want to know this. Well, <laughs> two very important and interesting things. First one is when the jailer decided to go you know, bippity-boppity-boo, you know, make a little little <laughs> portal, reach his little hand through, you know, make a little <laughs> a little who's a what now, I don't know, portable hole kind of thing into something. And <laughs> he just started digging around. You picture the jailer dressed up like the fairy godmother now, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just picturing him like 
skipping around going bibbity bobbity boo and singing the song and that's and then he said portable hole and I just I lost it anyways moving on so anyway this is the first time that Sylvanas ever saw him do that He's like, oh my right. gosh, he can turn a pumpkin into a carriage. It's amazing. So, so good. <laughs> <laughs> what can he do with that glass slipper? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so good. So <laughs> now, the other fun little thing is that apparently this little portable hole that he just you know busted out <laughs> was <laughs> it's not a glory hole, it's just a portable hole. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> uh, this was apparently a private stock. Huh? Private stock. He's got a private stock too. <laughs> this is the jailer's private stock. <laughs> Glad she wasn't drinking at the time. She's going to episode two <laughs> all over again. <laughs> yeah, so he has like a little private stash of his own little artifacts. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Oh, and then the last little thing is the jailer apparently chose that specific crystal, that little gem, for a very important reason. And they did promise that we should be learning what the heck that reason was in the future. So we better. Yeah. Because it makes me feel that maybe it's a soul shard and maybe it's a very specific soul shard of a very specific person. Papa V. Is that what we say? Right. That was one of my thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one of my thoughts. Um, for a while, I wondered if it was Ner'zhul, and then I decided against that, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. Oh. Um, and but I feel like there's other powerful people we've seen before, or I don't, I don't know. But I've wanted to know what's up with that gem ever since this happened. And I mean, maybe that's. What makes it a king's more? Not just because it's Ando and the king, but maybe who's ever gem that is. I don't know. It's not, you're doing bibbity bobbity boo now. I saw that. You just picture him like picture him like skipping and frolicking around. And well, the best part is I'm still doing it in his voice. It's like bibbity bobbity boo. What a crazy reverb in there, too. Ah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great. And he's got that little cute little wand still. You know? Still looks like the jailer. He's got the little wand. Right? It's good. Itty bitty. <laughs> yep. It's man. very tiny in his hands. He's a very big dude. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to hit this now. That's what she said. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're just going to move on from this one because. Yep. 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 Hey, that crystal, it's important. So what were you going to say? Yep. It's a thing. Hey, it's bibbity bobbity boo. Pay attention, everybody. It's (laughs) bibbity bobbity boo. (laughs) Yep. Fairy God Jailer. Yep. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's jump into another interview. This one was with everyone's favorite content creator. I think he's fine. I, I enjoy it. It's Bellular. Yeah, Bellular from Northern Ireland. Yes. Yep. They they actually had the exact same guest. Uh, Steve Denuser and Morgan Day. So, all right. And uh, 
Luckily for us, uh, Bellula likes to talk about all, about lore a lot too, just like uh, Lost Codex. Yeah. We get a lot of questions from them. First up, uh, and again, I don't know actually if it's the first question. This is just the ones I wrote down, so don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, so they kind of got we're getting into the whole you know how much agency did um, did Anduin have versus Arthas? So they actually said how much agency did Arthas have during Warcraft Three? And how much influence did the Jailer have on him? Now, this is the first time that I had ever heard this term, is Steve started talking about domination magic, right? A specific form of magic like necromancy or, you know, whatever, like arcane or anything. He was specifically talking about domination magic. And then that's, this is what was used on the Jailer to bind him in the Maw, and that's what he used on Anduin as well as Arthas. But... Uh, he also mentioned that they are being very blatant with their similar similarities. They also admit the obvious differences as Anduin didn't have a choice and Arthas did. Right? They're, right. they're trying to really set up the comparisons. Right? They're doing the comparisons and the contrast. They're like, here's what's similar and here's what's different. Right? So that's what I like there. And the Jailer has been refining his techniques in coercing his outside actors that act on his behalf. So, obviously, he got Ner'zhul, then he had Arthas, then he had Bolvar, and now he's got Anduin. So, this is, you know, fourth time's the charm, apparently. <laughs> so, so, we'll see. All right. And a big part of the story in 9-1 is the fact that Sylvanas was given the chance to give Anduin the choice, but that was taken from her when she ran out of time, and now he was completely forced. Now, that was a very obvious plot point, and I'm very much looking forward to right. what that fight is going to be with Sylvanas. Because Morgan actually chimed in, and uh, he was uh, keen to point out that uh, we'll also be learning more about Sylvanas's actions of breaking the helm and how that might have had an influence on the Jailer's power. Because I actually like the, the fact that he chimed in with that because that was actually one of the things that we, like, I've, I've heard some, you know, some lore enthusiasts talk about where it's like, maybe Sylvanas was supposed to, supposed to put the helm on, right? Maybe she was supposed to be the new, you know, Lich Queen, but she decided to accomplish the same goal just in a different manner, right? So she opened the way to the Shadowlands by destroying it, but maybe that's not what she was in originally intending to do and i don't know so maybe we will learn a little bit more about that i, I like the, the fact that so do you have any thoughts on this one Allie? yes it does make sense that the, since the jailer has been refining his techniques because we saw you know we, we we've seen how each individual person between nerzul arthas bulvar you know like how that all worked out for the jailer you know we saw how Bolvar, out of all of them, was able to actually control it more and, and hold back more. And I mean, the, the Shadowlands art book game talks about that. And it makes sense that the Jailer would have to refine his techniques because he would have learned something new from each one of those people. Um, the, the domination magic thing is definitely interesting. And it makes me wonder if we're going to see it from other people down the road. Yeah. Like if this is going to be considered like... You know, arcane, fell, you know, like a different kind of magic field, mm -hmm. if you will. And if that's going to be something down the road we see more of. Yeah, it's, it, it almost leads me to believe that, you know, 
like going back to one of the questions where it was like the different forces of the universe because pretty much every type of magic has been tied to one of the different forces, right? True. They're talking about domination magic. There's no domination realm. There's no domination, you know, whatever. So when he says domination magic, it leads me to think, hmm, what what exactly is that? What, What is that tied to, right? Maybe that's something that we'll learn about from the first ones, right? I don't know. It's the best I can come up with anyways. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've gone back and forth about the whole Sylvanas breaking the helm thing because if she really was not supposed to do that and if it pissed off the jailer, I don't think he would still be working with her. Yeah. I, I definitely kind of have had that same thought. But I don't know. I can see how he would have liked to her, her to put it on, but maybe he thought that she possibly wouldn't. And so he had this plan B already in place. I don't know. I'm glad we're going to be learning more. <laughs> that's that's what I know. Oh, OK, because <laughs> I could I could ramble and speculate for a while about all of this. Yeah. So speaking of rambling and speculating, this this one, this next one has me uh, pretty excited because the question kind of had some it rambled a little bit because I think uh, Bellular was really excited when uh, Steve was talking about domination magic. He kind of kept tacking on to the, to the questions here. So there's like <laughs> right. multiple kind of questions in this one question. So first one was basically uh, Nerzul. What's up with him? Where, where my boy? Where's he at? What, what are you up to? And then he said, you mentioned the jailer has been refining his techniques. So did the jailer not have much influence on our shaman bud? Right. And then he kind of followed up and then then domination magic. Is that a first ones thing? Right. So is that is that something from the first ones? So I think he may have picked up on like, yeah, there is no shadow. There's no void, uh, you know, like talking about like, you know, light and void and arcane and right. You know, yeah. So anyway, so Nerazul. Yes. We'll be delving more into the story of what happens when a mortal appears to be going along with the plans then, uh, <laughs> then doesn't <laughs> because I I have a strong feeling that what that means right there is this is what happens when a mortal appears to be going along with the plans and then suddenly stops. I think that means that you're going to wind up in the sanctum of domination. <laughs> so I think so. I think if we're going to be seeing some Nerzul, it's probably going to be in the next raid. Because supposedly the Sanctum of Domination is where the Jailer puts everyone he really, 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 really hates. Or is useful. <laughs> like the Terror Group. <laughs> Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. Now, whatever may be left of Nerzul is very likely receiving the Jailer's ire right now. We may see a little more of that. Now, now that actually is interesting. So... Maybe that maybe Sylvanas was meant to break the helm because the jailer was like, hey, this isn't not only is this going to break the helm and shatter the sky and da, 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 and all that fun stuff. It's also going to send Nerzul to me because I'd like to say hello. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that might be what's going on there. All right. So. All right. So the next thing is that. um you know, and Morgan pretty much pointed out that the Sanctum of Domination, who would the Jailer have in his private place of his most hated creatures? So, yeah, there you go. If he really hates you, that's where it's, that's where it's going to be. So, makes sense. Maybe he really hates Sylvanas now. Maybe that's why she's the last boss. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? 
Anyway, they also pointed out that we're also going to be learning, learning a little bit more about the Pantheon of Death, the Eternal Ones, uh, and how that relates to the Jailer's imprisonment. So that's, that's, that's what is to come in 9-1. I'm super looking forward to all that fun stuff. Right. All right. So much here. I was so going to say, any, any thoughts on that? Or are you still processing? Processing a little bit, but I did, you know, go over this a little bit earlier in my head, too. I think I'm, I'm, I really think Nerzul is one of the ones in his, you know, private place. So it makes sense that he absolutely hates. With his portable holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would make sense that he absolutely hates Nerzul. Yeah, because it, it will ruin some of his plans and uh, whatever. I, th- I, I'm starting to actually wonder if maybe at some point Sylvanas ends up sending Anduin free, which in turn makes the jailer basically say, "Like, screw you, I am done with you." To the same domination with you, and that's why we're fighting her. Maybe. Maybe. maybe? I. I also. I want to see something good from Nerzul. Maybe in, you know, say we fight him in his dying breath. He gives us some bit of info that we can use against the jailer. Like something that he does that's helpful to us. Because while, yes, he's done some, you know, he was the Lich King and did bad things with the Lich King. Like the poor guy. (laughs) 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 Like he had a bad life and he was tortured, incredibly tortured. Like I want something good for him. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, it's <laughs> the the entire story of Nerzul. I, I I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. He was tricked into going along with this by you know someone pretending to be his dead wife, right? Right. Like that's horrible. And like, can you imagine? Like, that was you and Mrs. Jet. Like, can you can you imagine that? Mm, like, yeah. No, I can't imagine. It's it. That'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, because what's uh, what's really he, bad about it too is. He's the only one that as soon as he you know, caught wind of what was really going on, he stopped. He's like, oh, this is messed up. We can't be doing this. Thanks, Goldan. <laughs> right? Straight to the mouth, Goldan. Yeah, exactly. Straight to the mouth. Straight to the mouth. All right. So, yeah. No, I'm, 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 I hope something comes from, like, I hope, honestly... Like at least, hey, send him a Revendreth or something. Like, hey, you did, you you know what you did was wrong, right? And he's like, yes, I do know. It's like, oh, okay, well then you can go somewhere else. <laughs> right. You've you, you're filled with guilt, right? You're not filled with hubris and, and arrogance and, and pride and all that. And he's like, nope, I'm done with all that. <laughs> I screwed up. Or just to <laughs> have release and be done. And when you die on the challenge, you're dead, dead. So I mean, maybe maybe he just wants to be done. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's Wool man. He's but, out of out of everyone. Yeah. I think the only other person that has received such a raw deal for a long time, and I think he's actually got a little bit worse. The only one that comes close is Garona. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's yeah. true. So anyway, I definitely I, I'm looking forward to learning more about the Pantheon of Death and mm-hmm. what happened to get you know Zaval imprisoned. Yeah, in the mall. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this this is a good one. I like that question. Yeah. So, what's going on with Garrosh? Definitely looked like he was uh, he was in that little, little short. That was Garrosh, right? They're like, yeah, it was Garrosh. It was totally, it was totally Garrosh. Uh, anyway, uh, they actually kind of talked about how the, the decision process that was going into uh, putting Garrosh in there, as well as a little bit of why Arthas was there. We still haven't seen him either. Uh, Garrosh was right. basically the perfect, perfect representation uh, as whole of his completely full of pride and... Probably wasn't going to be really easy to get up on that pride. 
He's just like, no, I got all, like I got lots of pride. So, Mm-mm. so that was the main reason why they put it in there. They wanted to showcase him in there because it's like, yes, this is this is what this this realm is all about. It's like this is a character full of pride, and he must be, you know, made to to look. He must be learn humility. There you go. That's what I was looking to say. Right. Well, so they don't want to do anything big with him though, and I actually like this because they they actually talked about how. Garrosh was one of those characters that had a, a, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and he had a whole story. So they don't want to mess with him too much. They're just like, hey, here's what's going on with Garrosh. He got this, then he moved on, and he's dead. He's still dead. So, <laughs> so they're not trying right. to mess with it too much, which I like. I actually appreciate that. And I think they're trying to. I think they're taking the same approach with Arthas as well. It's like, look, he had an amazing arc. We're not going to try and mess with it too much. He's not hes not suddenly a good guy, guys. <laughs> he's still dead. Still things happening. But maybe there's a little bit more story to tell just right there on the tail end. And I, and I think that's pretty good. So anyway, Morgan then popped up and said uh, that uh, Revendreth isn't supposed to be your final resting place. And that's good to keep in mind. And the way he kind of said that, I'm fairly certain that Garrosh may you know, finally, you know, be taught whatever lesson he is supposed to be learning and he may move on to join the Necrolords. Yeah. Because if you think about it, that's totally where he would go. (laughs) It is where he would go, but I don't, I don't know if he would ever learn his lesson (laughs) and be able to rid himself of his pride and arrogance because I, so for, for Dungeon Fables, we're doing Siege of Orgrimmar in this upcoming week. We're fighting Garrosh, so I'm actually try went over his story again just to try and nutshell it a bit for the show. And I was just reminded of just how prideful and arrogant and annoying <laughs> Garrosh was. And so I just Gar- it made me wonder if he could ever actually truly atone and be rid of it. Well, I think if Kaelthas has a chance, I think Garrosh does too. Okay. Uh, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. Garrosh, honestly. He is, is as horrible and terrible as some of the things that he did. Garrosh was one of those kind of like commanders that was always going for the knockout punch. He didn't right. want a long, drawn-out war of attrition. If he had a way to just say, no, we're going to hit him hard, hit him fast, and be done with this, that's what we're going to do. And I think that that's what led him to drop the, the monobomb on Theramore. Like that's, he's like, no, we'll just wipe him out. And we won't lose any any men on our side. So it's like, you know, as awful as it sounds to someone of uh, right. our modern day, you know, thought process, you know, military commanders saying that you won't lose any troops if you just do this, and, you know, but you can knock out the enemy. Like to his vantage point, it's like, no, this is like almost the like I'd be a fool not to do it. Right? So. I think Garrosh has something to learn from there, but at the same time, yeah, he is still kind of a an arrogant POS. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but I actually am really looking forward to it. And if I saw Garrosh uh, in with the Necrolords, I'd be like, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Especially if he toned down the craziness and he was just like, no, dude, I learned a lesson. I'm. I'm just here to defend the Shadowlands. Like, All right, cool. You definitely need to tone it down. <laughs> yes, because I think if he showed up there having not toned it down, Draco will make sure real quick that he tones it down. <laughs> Draco would like grab real him by quick. and drag him around. <laughs> Something like that. 
my grandma used to do. (laughs) 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 So next question. Do you think the first ones and the Titans ever met or were they separated too much by time and space? And then a fun follow-up was Azeroth is the Titan of fill in the blank, right? Which is super interesting. So uh, anyway, so one of the things that they did talk about is how the Shadowlands kind of serves as a springboard to dive into more of a cosmic view of the universe, which does make sense. Like we've, right, we've right. kind of scratched the surface a little bit where we got into the Firelands and this and that. You know, we went, we went into like the Abyssal Maw a little bit and things along those lines with the, the different, you know, realities of you know, the different planes of the elements, but we didn't really bust out that much further. I mean, I think there may be a couple quests where we've technically gone into the Emerald Dream. Like the Emerald Nightmare was tex- takes place in the Emerald Dream, but it's the Nightmare yeah, portion. yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of the first time we've really, like, expanded out even further to see what's beyond it. So I can see what they're talking about there. But anyway, they did say that the cosmology chart will be discussed from a different point of view. And, like, we already talked about their Grimora of the Grimora of the Shadowlands. Right? Uh, this is a different interview. That's why they brought it up. <laughs> so, and then the, the first ones are a mysterious group of beings that architected the framing of the universe. So they were just like, they popped into existence or however that may have been. And they're like, you know, it'd be right. Great. A universe. Let's make a universe. (laughs) (laughs) And then they even talked about the The pantheon of all these different influences was mentioned, which could indicate that there are actually six different pantheons, right? We have the pantheon of of order. That would make sense. Pantheon of death, pantheon of life, things like that. Most likely Elune would probably be a member of the pantheon of life, as we can kind of assume from uh, the whole Winter Queen sister deal, right? Right. Yeah. So, and as you can tell, they and and they they did really sidestep the whole question: is Azeroth is the Titan of? They're like, yeah, we're not going to tell you. (laughs) Yeah. As you can tell, we didn't answer that, but they did really kind of talk about the cosmology as a whole and it kind of seemed that the titans and the first ones probably didn't meet and if they did it was probably very passing so anyway what do you what do you think about this crazy question and or answer i would have liked more of an answer but i'm not surprised we didn't get more of an answer because i i've been dying to know more about the first ones and where what the relationship is with the titans and you know all of that and order of operations and everything. I I want to know things and I was not expecting to get those answers and we didn't get those answers. But this just makes me want us to know more. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, this, this I, I loved the question and I was a little sad that we didn't get a little more from, from an answer. Yeah. But that's all right. That's all right. I did like that they did talk about the pantheons of the different influences though too where it's like, okay, it makes sense that there's probably That's more. intriguing. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. And also they, they, they mentioned here too that, you know, we get to a different vantage point of the cosmology chart. So again, very, very looking forward to seeing what the heck that's going to be. <laughs> right. Anyway, so next question, which was a fun one. Yurel, there's a mystery there. What do, we, what do we think she's up to these days? And the nice thing is that they said there is more story to tell there for sure, especially with the interactions with the light. Right. Legion allowed, Legion allowed us to dive deeper into the story of Velen 
and that he learned a lot about the light and at one point he may have been blindly devoted to that. But he's got a different perspective now. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. I think, I think that may have been those long conversations that he had with Illidan where Illidan was like, your faith has blinded you, <laughs> right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's probably when he was, you know, saying those different things, blah, 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 all about the, the faith and the blinding and the this and that. I, I think that's what he was really getting into there. But anyway, they continued and they said that characters tend to ascribe good and evil motivations to the different powers of the universe. But really, those powers don't care about morality, right? Right. I.e. the, you know, yeah. nature uh, of the, the Titans order and things along those lines where we kind of think about how order is good, chaos bad, right? But they don't really care about that. They're just following their, the way that they're the men, the the way that they were created or, or, you know, came to be in some some sense, they're just doing what they're programmed to do. Like Titans, they order things. Right. Demons in the fell, they break things because they're like, chaos is awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so whatever each, you know, power is doing, you know, they're just following the way that they're always meant to be. So, you know, ascribe any good or evil to that. That's, yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting. And then on a related note, in 8.3, Nazoth was trying to force his will on us, but, well, but was telling us not exactly the truth. But there was a lot of truth at what he was saying when he told us that the e that of the evils out there. Which I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because all the kind of crazy stuff out there, he's, he's like, look, there's this and all this stuff that's happening out there. You know, like, we should totally work together. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, but, mm, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just, I like this because I feel like the the question really said that we're totally going to learn more about Urel because I really liked Urel. Um, honestly, Urel was my favorite part of uh, Orleans of Draenor. She was pretty great. And I was a little sad that they made her go a little crazy, but I don't know. And then I really liked the fact that they tied in how Velen was so single-mindedly focused on the light. And after the events of Legion, he's like, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of like that, that, you know, after you know, Argus died in that cutscene, how he finally like, you know, Velen just takes that deep breath of just like, oh, crap, it's finally over. I mean, obviously, it's totally not. Sargeras is still alive. But to Velen's point of view at the time, at least he could... Uh, you know, breathe for for a moment. Right. <laughs> so, what, what did you think about this question? I thought this. I thought this. I think out of all of these, these might, this one might actually be my favorite uh, question that we got some answers really? to. I just liked it. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite, but it's a good one. I mean, it is good to know that you know, we're not done with your L. And I was hoping we wouldn't be because I'm pretty sure we're going to get you know more info on the light at some point. And I was hoping. Somehow it would involve her, so that's good. And I think it's an important lesson to learn about Velen and his, you know, new perspective on the light versus his blind devotion from earlier. And it does kind of tell me that maybe we'll be getting more info on Velen what he's up to here soon, because he's been kind of, you know, he took a bench after Legion. So that would be that'd be good. And I think it's good to learn more about this whole the characters, you know, ascribing good and evil motivations to different powers of the universe, because we have seen example, you know, for the longest time, we all thought light was good. 
natural legion were like, maybe it's not so good. And it's kind of another example where in so many ways, Azeroth tends to be the focus of, you know, the center of the universe. And so we treat the universe as we would treat Azeroth and good and evil and all of that. But those rules don't always apply to other realms. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just like, I like the, the, I don't know, as, as you know, as listeners, you've probably known, I, I like the, the weird kind of moral quandaries that we get into. So, yes, you do. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting to me uh, what's going to happen there. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and jump into another question. This one actually comes from I, uh, an interview with I had never heard of them before. That's cool. I know they seem pretty, pretty cool. A uh, YouTube channel is Stack News. Um, yeah. So anyway. The first one, first question is, is Sylvanas going down the path of becoming what she hates? Right. So Sylvanas is one of the pivotal characters and the story they're telling needs to reflect that. Okay. Uh, she's done both terrible and heroic things uh, is the kind of thing I was talking about. That what I liked is how, yeah, she, you know, you know, in life, she protected her people and she did all these amazing things. And even in, say, like Legion, she was, I don't think anyone was thinking she was doing anything too terrible, especially in the beginning, you know, when she was fighting right alongside Varian. And then obviously there was the the whole mix up, you know, she blew the horn. They didn't necessarily see that they were getting their, you know, butts trimmed. Right. To point. Um, so there was a little bit of that. And, you know, at that point, I didn't, you know, even as an Alliance player, when I played through it a little bit on the horde, I was like, no, they're fine. <laughs> So I, yeah, I didn't have any, any problems there. Um, yeah, so she definitely has done some good and some bad things. But anyway, in the past, she had to hide her real motivations. But now she can talk freely about the Jailer and how he's planning on making better worlds. Now, yeah, as I was listening to this and I, I was thinking about it, and there was a, a quote that I remember from a movie that I will, I'm going to play right here, see, see if Allie recognizes it. That's, that's a good one. I'm sorry. If your quarry goes to ground, leave no ground to go to. You should have taken my offer. Or did you think none of this was your fault? I don't murder children. I do. If I have to. Why? Do you even know why they send you? It's not my place to ask. I believe in something greater than myself. A better world. A world without sin. So me and mine gotta lay down and die so you can live in your better world? I'm not going to live there. There's no place for me there any more than there is for you. Malcolm, I'm a monster. What I do is evil. I have no illusions about it, but it must be done. Keep talking. <laughs> so you know the movie? <laughs> I feel like I do, but it's not coming to my head. That was from Serenity. You know, Firefly and all that. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, so. It's been so long since I've watched that because right, yeah, it yeah. makes me sad. I'm, I'm a leaf on the wind. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've watched it too. Watch I was sore. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 Good call. Good call. Anyway, yeah. so every <laughs> single time we've heard anyone talk about how Sylvanas is going to be making a better world for all of us. That is a Yeah, that's 
right where my mind has always gone was like, oh, you're the operative. Let's be. Yeah. It makes me wonder if she realizes how monstrous she actually has become just in a in a sense to make a better world, because that's really very similar in character development. There feels almost exactly the same to me. Right. So that is that's kind of where, where I took it was. I think she may know what she's up to. And, and I don't and based on the weird side eyes she's been given the jailer when, you know, the whole Anduin stuff is going on. I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a reason she may be in the uh, sanctum of domination. Either she's, you know, the last line of defense before the jailer or the jailer's pissed off at her now because like you had already mentioned, maybe she's the one who freed Anduin. I don't know. We'll see. Because, yeah, she's a monster. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, that's that's seriously. I mean, the fact that the it, in terms of the character development, we all know that there was probably some type of children that was living in Teljasol at the time. So. Oh, absolutely. When, yeah. When uh, that's that's why when when Malcolm Mal says, I don't murder children. She just says, yeah, but I do if I have to. <laughs> So it's like, it's the same freaking character. Does no one see this but me? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what, what did you what did you think about this question and, uh, and, and all that? It's good. <laughs> I definitely I want to know more about, because I do, I do think Jaina, Jaina, wow, Sylvanas, not sure Jaina went in there. Jailer, well, she's Jaina, a lord, we all know. Sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Um, anyways, um, Savannah went down this path believing she was doing what was right for the greater good in the very long run. And I have been wondering because we have been seeing these side glances and weird looks and whatever. And it does seem like she's maybe starting to regret it or realize that maybe this wasn't the best way to go about achieving whatever she thought she was achieving. And so I definitely have wanted to know more about that. Yeah. And so it's kind of, you know, made me want to know even more. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, the final question that we're going to be diving into from Stack News is Varian and Starfang, where are my boys at? Where are they at? <laughs> well, they didn't really go into it too much. And I think the main answer here was, hey, they had a great arc and we don't want to mess with it too much. You know, Starfang's been around since literally the, you know, the, the first war, you know, the whole path of glory and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he's 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 been there. He's seen some stuff. So we don't need to necessarily bring up any more Starfang stuff and very kind of the same thing. He was around since the first war and he he had a, a good run. Sure, he wasn't around in classic and, and, and BC due to Anixia shenanigans, but hey, he had a good return in uh, Wrath of the Lich King, so that was fun. Yeah. So I honestly I was perfectly happy with that that answer. I don't I don't think the Shadowlands needs to be, you know, <laughs> World of Warcraft's greatest hits. <laughs> That's true. I mean on one hand, I wasn't when they both died, I wasn't ready for their story to end. And I was I was sad and I was disappointed. But at the same time, I mean, it, it is true. Like, they, their story is done. It wrapped up. And to just dredge up all these different characters and their stories again in Shadowlands would 
not be good for the story and the universe in general. And it would feel kind of cheap, I think. Yeah, I agree. So, but I, having said that, like, I, I would like some kind of nod to them. You know, I want... And this is why I want Shadowlands scenarios, because I feel like there's a million different stories I could do. But I want Anduin to see Varian and Tiffin. You know, I want Starfang to be reunited with his son. You know, like, I want these little, like, things. It was just like a little Easter eggs, like, dink. I, I want those still. Not, I, I don't feel the need to bring up the story again and add to it. Just a little, a little nod. Yep. Totally agree. All right. So, like I said, we're, we're not going to you know, spend too much on, on that interview. They, they were talking a lot about yeah. Mythic Plus and things like that. Not really story related. The eh, story cropped up time too. Or two. <laughs> so, <but> we're going <laughs> to jump into the next interview. They had a little bit more uh, lore in here. Um, so we're going to talk about that, which is from the Soul So Breezy YouTube channel. All right. If you want to check them out. Uh, their interview was with uh, Johnny Cash and Kevin Martins. Okay. And the first question that was, what's Tyrande up to? Is she going to have a have a role in 9-1? Okay. They basically said, uh, yeah. Uh, the main thing why they were talking about is we're going to be continuing the story di- pretty much directly from the, the Covenants, right? So one of the things we know about as, you know, as the, the Necrolords and all that, we know that we, we, there was some Kel'Thuzad stuff that was going on, right? So... We're probably going to learn more about that there. I'm pretty sure they mentioned that he may be in the Sanctum of Domination. I think that may be one of the confirmed bosses. If I'm remembering correctly, that might not be, but I, believe I, so. I think I am. <laughs> I think we know four bosses at this point, which is the Eye of the Jailer, the Terror Grew, Sylvanas, and Kel'Thuzad. I think those are the four that we know of. There's one that sounded like it was going to be a council fight. Yeah, I don't I don't. I forgot what they called know it, but we don't know who who's gonna it's going to be, but anyway. Right. And then there's a tangentially related, um, not confirmed, but we already talked about it. Probably going to see Nerezul too. He might not be a boss. He just might be there. He just may be part of one of Maybe the Maybe on that council fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be a thing. So Taronda, yeah, yeah. definitely going to, um, definitely going to you know, see what's going on. And I like the fact that they mentioned players will be satisfied with what happens. That was a direct quote from the, from the interview that, hey, it's going to be good, y'all. Just just pay attention. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm super, super excited. I want for that. to so know. What, what do you think about this? I want this? to know things. I want to know things. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they can sit here and say that players will be satisfied with what happens. Like, I, I feel like that's that's saying that, them some big words. Yeah. <laughs> Considering this <laughs> because player you have the base. Players, you, you have the players, especially, you know, Alliance and Night Elves and whatever who are you know, want vengeance for Teldrassil. And you have the ones who think that she's just awesome because, you know, Night Warrior and whatnot. And then you have the ones who kind of find her kind of annoying and don't have as much, you know, passion about her story, if you will. Sure. Yeah. So to just blanket sweep say that, you know, players will be satisfied. What is going to happen? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm excited for it. Me too. Yeah. All right. So the next question, we just got a few more before we wrap up here today, which is the Sanctum of Domination will feature the worst of the worst of the souls. Will we see any familiar faces? 
Yeah, but they don't want to tell us who yet. <laughs> yep. Now, before we just move on from the next question, do you have any guesses, any any predictions of who we may see other than, let's say, other than Nerzul? Because we that one feels a little... Well, he's my, my he's the only like real solid prediction I've come up with right. so far. <laughs> hey, don't worry. You, you and me both. Like, I, I'm not thinking anything else. And it was, yeah, I was taking it from a Bellular video at this point. <laughs> right. And then sometimes like there's other people I think might be involved. But I don't know if they're going to be a boss per se. Like I wouldn't I would imagine Helia might show up at some point. Mm hmm. I don't think she's going to be a boss, though. Yeah, I think like there's just so many other names. I'm just like. They might be in there, but I don't know if they're helping us or hurting us. I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I want to say that if if Ner'zhul's there, I think Arthas is going to be there as well. They, they, they seem very linked at this point, and we know he's in the Maw. And we haven't seen him in the Maw, so he's probably somewhere very special. Because as we know, the Jailer ain't exactly happy with him, so... I think we're going to see Arthas there too. I think that's going to be our little Arthas cameo moment. We'll find out. What what's he been up to? Right. Yeah. So it could be. Other than that, like, I mean, we don't like so that's like well, maybe five bosses at best that we can think of. So I mean, there's there's obviously probably you know you do dungeon fables and all that. There's plenty of bosses that you just look up the the lore to and you go, eh, they just stuck a boss. They got no story. Yeah, they just stuck a boss here. <laughs> we'll go look at the adventure guy because it doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, there's probably going to be a few more of those. You know. Like the terror grew. Yeah, sure. There's a story there. Yeah. Mr. T. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have the jailer, though. That definitely has a little bit of a story. That's so. that's going to have something for sure. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I can't think of any other familiar faces other than, you know, Arthas is the only one that's kind of jumping to mind right now. I can't at the moment. Like, there's so many other different names that are going through my head, but I can't think of ones that are logical. Yeah. I can't. I got. I got nothing. <laughs> I'll have more eventually after you know we get closer to the time and I process a little more. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'd be mad if Varian was there. I'd be like, what? <laughs> I don't think Varian's gonna be. Nah, there. nah. He's he's hanging out. He's 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 happy, or at least content. <laughs> anyway, so next question, no, second to last. Anyway. So will we we will we be getting any more of those Sarfang style cinematics? And they're basically, uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest, I think uh, I think Jared from Merely a Setback was right. We probably would have if if you know no COVID. But <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. So I'm I'm just happy that we got the game to play. So <laughs> I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> yeah, and they really. They really have stepped up their game with the facial expressions in the cinematics we are getting. So that's something that's really cool. I actually I watched a video of I forget his name. Anduin's voice actor. I don't remember. John Keats. It was Josh. I don't know. Josh Keats. Jo Joshua Keats. That guy. <laughs> he actually has a YouTube video of him reacting to the cinematic. And I mean, he had seen it before, so it wasn't like a brand new one. Oh, no, he hadn't seen it yet. Josh Keaton. But he knew. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like, so like he, he hasn't he hadn't seen this in Mac yet. But obviously, he knew it because he did the voice lines for it. But he was talking about how he actually like had a camera there 
to record his face as he said those lines to kind of help the animators a bit with the facial expressions and stuff, which I thought was really cool. But I do think that might be why we're getting these, you know, really awesome facial expressions. But I, I do agree. I think that because of the pandemic, we're not getting the fancy schmancy CGI amazing ones. Yep. I agree. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to complain. We'll get them eventually. Would have been cool, but hey, we'll, we'll get some, we'll get some more in 10.0. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they take a long time to make. <laughs> like a long yes. Time to make. All right. Final question that we have here today, which is what will we be learning about the brokers in the Mega <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, we're going to learn more about their culture in the first half, which I think is pretty awesome. We're going to actually find out who the heck are they other than just like weird dead land goblins. Because <laughs> that's kind of what they are now. With an infinite pirate dragon. Yeah, infinite, py- yeah, infinite pirate dragon, right? And the second half, we will be trying to stop a heist, which the interesting bit of the, the lore is apparently this is one of their biggest scores yet. So that's that's what you're up trying to stop, I think, is the brokers have got something real good. And I think and I actually kind of like the the thought process here is I think was some person guessed that they managed to get their hands on what Remoria or whatever with, you know, Denathrius in it. Like, oh, gosh, that's, that's the I heard that one yet. <laughs> they're like, oh, I got him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're running with that. <laughs> I mean, if that's if that's it, that's cool. Um, if it's like maybe something out of the jailer's little bippity boppity boo stash, like that's cool too. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that could be. But anyway, what do you what do you think? What do you think about the the you know the the place with the lots of bosses and it's a it's you know it's a it's a large cavernous place um, where you usually there's <laughs> dragons involved and also a tabletop role playing. You know, yes. The Mega Yeah, that place. I'll say it for you. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, as we mentioned earlier, I'm super excited about this. I want to know more. I do want to know what their biggest score is yet. I, I've, I've tried to guess what it could potentially be, and I don't know. I also don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. I like, I like some of those guesses that we've heard, like uh, the Vermoria and things like that. But I, but I honestly don't think that's what it is because I think the de- the the dreadlords are interested in that, not the brokers. I don't think the yeah. brokers are that interested to in it, especially since Remoria is technically like a sentient sword. It would probably kill them. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Like, I don't. I don't want something that's just going to get mad and kill me. Uh-uh. I heard one person make the guess that it's one of the five keys, hmm? but I don't. I don't think it is. That would be interesting. But I don't know. It would be interesting, but I don't I don't think it is. Yeah, probably right. But that's okay. All right. Well, you got anything else before we wrap up today? I'm just really excited about what's happening. And I want to know more. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, that's, that's it. That's that's all we got for in terms of questions, or at least that's all I could find. Because uh, I only... I'm just saying, like, uh, the one of the main reasons I want to do this episode is, hey, these interviews were harder to find than I thought they were. <laughs> 
It's like I was trying to. There's a lot of little ones. Like I know on Warcraft Radio, uh, Manny and Athlas did one. Mm -hmm. I watched that one. Um, Not a lot of lore there. Not a lot of lore. Not a lot of lore. Um, But it's still, I mean, Manny's our friend. So I was all excited for Manny. Yeah, totally watch that one. Um, But yeah. I'm, I'm glad we did this, though, because I haven't had a chance to sit down and look at all these different little interviews. So mm-hmm. this was good. Yeah. Man- Manny, Manny's interview was good. They just talked a lot about Mythic Dungeons it was. And, and PvP and bursty metas. And I was like, I'm not talking about that on my lore show. <laughs> right. Oh, wait, I kind of did. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, we do have a review. I don't know who read the last one. You want to read this one? Yeah, it tends to be whoever didn't do the show notes. Yeah, you so that, that works out. Yeah. All right, so this came to us from Warcraft Radio. I know this name. So they say, love this show. I started following Allie with Dungeon Fables long ago. Her and Jen play off each other very well. I love keeping up with Warcraft lore, and this show does it for me. Jen's knowledge of Warcraft lore mixed with the world, world, re- real world myths, legends, and folktales is great. From pasta hello pasta thank you very much for this review this is awesome and it's nice to know that you're not that i'm not the only one uh and my wife isn't the only one who has trouble saying real world sometimes right it's real real world my tongue doesn't know what to do with that sometimes (laughs) yeah it's like it's like oh back in the 90s and early 2000s like oh what are you watching real world what was that you know real world what Real world. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Real, real, real. world. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, first off, I mean, and I said this when Pasta reviewed my show. I love pasta and spaghetti and it's like my favorite meal. So it made me hungry. But um, <laughs> it's, I, I, that is something I've actually really enjoyed about the show is, you know, your ability to bring in some of these real world knowledge bits that you have and apply it to the game and i mean even when you did your crazy like off the wall you know philosophy and everything falafel just, episode yeah it was falafels <laughs> yes. <are> great <laughs> <laughs> with all the carl sagan and blue dot and everything like I, that was that was really yeah it was really cool so yeah but yes thank you pasta thank yeah you. seriously thanks pasta appreciate the review and thanks for the five stars because it was a five star review Appreciate that. Yay. All right. Oh, oh, I have a bumper for this. I'm glad I have the bumper note. Yeah, look at that. I'm going to press the button. Oh, geez, there it is. Stories. <laughs> There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Yeah, so we get a positive story. And I just want to say thank you very much, Jack Jack, for sending this in. Um, and I, you know, I'm just going to read this whole email in its entirety because summed it up beautifully. And yeah, I'm just, just going to go ahead and read this. So, Jack Jack writes, Hello, lore friends, Jin and Allie. Huge fan of the show, and I thought I'd come by and share a good story with you that moved me. I work at a residential care facility for people living with HIV AIDS. That means we provide long-term medical and mental health care for people, but we also provide hospice care for, pe- for people because of our mission uh, states. No one should have to suffer or die alone. Well, recently we had a patient who was facing the end of his life, so uh, we helped him reconnect and Zoom his brothers safely despite COVID restrictions. And they did provide a picture, and I thought it was uh, was very touching to see that um, what was going on here. Oh, and they continue. But 
We also set up a Zoom with his friends who is taking care of his patient's beloved cat so he could say goodbye. And as he Zoomed with his cat for one last time, he was petting a stuffed cat we had got him for Christmas. I just had to share because this was why I love my work so much at um, Mariti. Um, <laughs> they provided an explanation of how to pronounce it, and I totally missed that, but whatever. We'll just keep going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we make sure that people facing critical health challenges at the end of their lives have love and support because no one should have to suffer or die alone. Thank you for the lore stories. Check, check. Yeah. So, yes, that little story moved me too. And I just want to say thanks for writing in. And I really appreciated this because, yeah, it was. Yeah. I really liked that mission statement. It was, uh, it's fantastic. So, it's one of the reasons why I actually like the, the job that I do. It's always nice knowing that you make a difference. And I can say that, hey, Jack Jack, you make a difference too. So, thanks. Yes. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add before we get out of here? No, I think we should get out of here. Yeah, I agree. This has been a long one, but it's been a fun one. So. Yes. Let's go and say bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. Bippity boppity boop. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Live, Laugh, Lore. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a question that you're just dying to know the answer to, Send us an email at livelaughlorecast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at live underscore laugh underscore lore. You can follow Jen on Twitter at Jared Cooster, and you can follow Allie at Allie Anders K. Meanwhile, be kind and take care.